Can't hold them. That, that's good. Uh, if you would please fill out the Connect card that you were handed on the way in. Uh, put that in the offering basket as it goes by after the message. If, if you give online, uh, that basket is a Connect card basket. Uh, thank you how, for however you'd get that done. Uh, welcome to week two of Christmas Carol Jesus. Uh, this Advent season, we are preparing for the birth of Jesus by looking at some classic Christmas carols. Uh, I think most people love Christmas music. They like Christmas time. If you were to, to walk around my neighborhood, you would see that many people like decorating for Christmas as well. Uh, everybody has that Clark Griswold guy in their neighborhood. Um, for some reason, they all moved to my neighborhood. Um, which works out good because I don't have to put many lights up outside because their lights shine into my yard. Um, but seriously, I love taking walks with the kids uh, and looking at the lights. And uh, some of the houses even have speakers mounted to the side of the house and they play Christmas music. So you can look at the lights and hear Christmas music and sing the carols along with you. And how cool is that? My prayer is that as we go through this series, that the truth of the gospel that's contained in these carols would cause you to worship anew, that you would enter his presence uh, because God's presence, God's presence is better than any present you will ever get. And his light shines greater than any light display you will ever see. Uh, the carol that we're going to look at this morning is one the praise team actually did uh, this morning, it was the second song in the set, O Come, All Ye Faithful. Uh, and I just want to say, praise God for our praise team. Uh, if it was up to me, uh, wow, you would, you would not like it. Um, when, when, they worship, when they worship and sing, you can, you can get your worship on. Uh, if I had to sing, you'd be getting your coat on. Um, so I, I, I thank God for them and their giftedness. Um, just a little bit of history on O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, it was originally lit, written in Latin uh, by, it's kind of debated some, John Francis Wade. Uh, and it wasn't actually put into English until 1841 by Frederick Oakley, who would later develop sunglasses. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not true. Uh, but there, there's no drama around um, O Come All Ye Faithful like there was O Holy Night. It was written by John Francis Wade, and he was a hymnist in the 18th century, and it has been a beloved Christmas carol ever since. Uh, <coughs> as I examined this Christmas carol this past week, it, was, it struck me as odd. The type of person that is being called to worship the newborn king. Uh, the hymnist calls to the faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant. And it's kind of ironic that that's not who Jesus came for. I Now, I, I get it that it would be kind of depressing if the hymnist called the unfaithful, miserable, and defeated um, to worship the newborn king, right? But Jesus came for the broken and the sinner. And I think we don't always feel joyful, faithful, and triumphant 
in life. In fact, it, considering faithful, sometimes I think we identify more with Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we hear those words and we resonate with it and we quote it and it's one of those verses we use to build a case for salvation. We're all sinners. And we say, yes, that's me. I I fall short every day. I, I, I often don't get it right. But the The rest of the sentence, (laughs) the rest of the sentence proclaims a profound truth as well. Verse 24, I want to read everything together. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, And are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. See, it's easier, I think, to admit that we messed up, to admit that we don't always get it right, than to walk in the faithfulness, in the place that God put us as justified, forgiven, and freed by His grace people. God didn't intend for us to live this kind of e or woe is me life. He called us to be joyful, faithful, and triumphant. He put us in that place. Sometimes triumphant doesn't really describe how we feel either, though. Uh, I don't know about you, but I can spend a whole lot of time in my own head. I'm actually down one of my hearing aids. So these days, I'm spending a whole lot more time in my head because I can't hear anything else. Um, But I I can turn a perfectly victorious day a perfectly triumphant day. If I spend too much time in my head, I can worry about all kinds of things. I can worry about all kinds of worst-case scenarios. And before long, I'm thinking it's like I'm defeated. I'm like, wow, and, you know, this, this could all blow. That is not wise. That is not the Spirit of God. It's not what God wants for us. I don't know if you can relate to that at all, but that's, that's me. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God knows exactly what we need. If he did not spare his one and only Son, what else won't God provide for us? How else will God fail to meet our needs? The answer is absolutely nothing. He will give us, as the Scripture says, all things. I don't know where you find yourself in your own head spinning and feeling defeated, whether that's finances or relationships or parenting, but know this. God is for you. What can stand against us? The answer is nothing. You are, you will be triumphant, victorious in Him. And joy. Joy is easy for me this time of year as long as I stay away away from large groups of shopping people. Oh man. 
Lisa will, will tell you, I, I hate shopping, and I hate crowds. Um, so the mall is like the worst-case scenario for me. Uh, it can suck the joy out of me faster than anything else. Uh, a couple years ago, I went to one of the stores, and they had an express lane. You know, those lanes that you're supposed to have eight items or less. And there was a guy in line ahead of me, and he had eight items. And he checked his eight items out. And then when he was done, he pulled out three more items and made the clerk check him out again. So he didn't disobey the eight-item rule. (laughs) Now, joy was not on my radar. This guy was wasting... He thought it was funny. This guy was wasting my time. And this preacher almost lost his religion. But I managed to keep my mouth shut. Now, I know that kind of seems like a silly, trivial example. But sometimes, it doesn't take much to let this world suck the joy that we should have in Jesus right out of us. So, as I looked at this hymn this week and and looked at the struggles with being joyful, faithful, and triumphant, I thought, well, who does Jesus call to worship him? Who who did he come for? And I want to look at just a couple scriptures that proclaim who he came for. The first one is Matthew eleven twenty eight, and it proclaims this. First, Jesus called, he came for the weary and the burden. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take a deep breath. Come, ye weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Look upon your Savior. He is Christ the Lord, and he called the weary and the burdened to give rest them rest. He loves you. He is for you. Worship him. Second, Jesus calls sinners. Matthew 9, 12 through 13. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire, this is Jesus, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. You see, you could, you could almost change the words of this song to, O come, all ye sinners, ye weary and you burdened, come to Bethlehem and worship the newborn king. Because it's who Jesus came for. It's who he called to himself. Now, I know that would be a real depressing Christmas song. But it's why Jesus came. He calls us to that place, even when we are not there. Second Corinthians 5.17 calls, talks about this new place. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. So Jesus calls the weary and the burdened, the sinners, to a new place. The old is just gone, and the new has come. And I think it's a fair question to ponder What do the new in Christ look like? And I could preach like a hundred sermons on 
what the new in Christ looked like. I mean, we could talk about uh, the fruits of the Spirit. We could talk about renewed character. We could talk about uh, the spiritual habits that you might form once you are new in Christ. New thinking, new heart, new attitude. But for the remainder of our time this morning, I just want to talk about the three that are mentioned in this carol because God makes these three things in us new. So Jesus helps the new in Christ become more faithful. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God has given all of us a measure of faith. Scripture says he has apportioned a measure of faith to us all. And I think some people find it really easy. It's just almost second nature for them to trust God, other people, And I think it's in relation to that measure of faith. Some people find it really difficult to trust God, to trust other people. The neat thing is, God doesn't just apportion us, author us a measure of faith and leave it at that. He is also the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's not a static, stagnant kind of thing. It's a dynamic, growing kind of thing. It grows, it develops. Sometimes God grows our faith through testing. Our faith grows as we hear the word of God and are challenged by the Spirit, and that word is confirmed in our hearts. As it gets tested, we learn that God is faithful. Any, anybody uh, here ever do the trust fall when you were in youth group? A couple people, I see some hands. Uh, I once saw our youth group Catch Mr. Ray doing, and Ray, Ray, you're like 6'2"-ish, ish. Trust fall, for those of you who don't know, you stand on a raised platform, and you fall backwards, and six people with locked arms catch you. The trust fall is always hardest the first time. Because, see, once you learn that six little kids, right, Ray? <laughs> can catch you when you fall, it's not as much of a leap of faith the second time. Sometimes in life, once we learn that God will always be there, that he will never leave us or forsake us, it's easier to trust him. Again, our faith grows as our faith is tested. Our, our faith grows as we hear the word and the spirit confirms that to our hearts. Isaiah says this. I I love the way chapter 43, verses 1 through 3 puts it. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. God knows you. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, 
For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can you feel the strength in those words? When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you pass through the fire, you will not be swept away. You will not be burned up. I will be with you through them. He is our Savior. Number two, because we are new in Christ, Jesus helps us become more joyful. Joy, joy is one of those fruits of the Spirit. Now, if, if you're not a Christian, it's like, I'm a what? <laughs> a fruit of what? Um, when the Spirit takes up residence in your life, when you accept Jesus, when He comes and dwells in you because of your faith and your trust and in your invitation of Him, God's Spirit naturally produces in you certain qualities or certain fruits. You, you bear those qualities. You bear that fruit in your life, sometimes unbeknownst even to you. You will begin, if you invite Jesus into your life, to think differently. You will feel differently. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says all these things will start to bear fruit, start to be seen in your life because it's evidence of the Spirit's residence in you. God helps us be more joyful. Joy is different than just happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. Things are bad, I'm not happy. Things are good, I'm happy. Joy is because of Jesus. Joy is because Jesus lives in you, and you know that you are a child of God. Nothing should rob us of that joy. We let things compete. We let things get us down. But joy is deeper than happiness. Joy is because we have a Savior who loved us and bought us with a price. We see it in Luke chapter 2. It's at the Christmas story. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? Great joy for all people. Why? Because today, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you and to you and me. A Savior has been born. And when our faith is in Him, His Spirit takes up residence, and there will be evidence of it in our life. Number three, when we are new, Jesus helps us become more triumphant. When we become new in Christ, so many things change. We, we go from being condemned to being saved. We cross from death to life. Once we were an object of God's wrath, we would have gone to hell Now we are an object of God's favor. We're his child, and we are destined for heaven. We are living triumphant. In the Christian life, we kind of of live in two worlds. Theologians will say salvation and grace is one of these already, but not yet. You are saved, but you are not yet in heaven. You live in this world, but the the intangible world 
Spirit of God lives in you, and your true home is with Him in heaven. There is peace and joy that passes all understanding in this life as if you were in the next. You see, these, these worlds almost overlap because of your faith in Jesus. You have, through your faith, already overcome the world because Jesus has overcome the world. Your name is written in the book of life through faith. Your true home, your final destiny is heaven. And you can experience the blessings of that right now even though you are not yet there. In fact, Scripture tells us that we don't even have to strive or take any ground. There's a, there's a book called Sit, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. It's a great, great little read. But he argues in that book that as Christians, we simply need to stand in the place of favor and grace that God has already put us in Christ. And he uses Ephesians 5.13 to talk about it, which says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, and the anticipation here is, take ground, strive, grow in faith, And he says, so that you may be able to stand right where you're at. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. I know it's kind of complicated. It's kind of odd. But through Christ, you stand in victory now. You don't have to take any more ground. God has already placed you in the end zone, to use the football analogy. You have already won. Triumphant? Oh, yeah. Because Jesus has already risen from the dead, and you stand in victory. My prayer is that as we sing these carols, that God would take you from that place where you feel defeated and unfaithful, and not joyful, to being faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Not because you are, because that's where God has placed you through faith. Let's pray. God, as we come before you in this Christmas season, we give you thanks that you have called us the, the faithful, joyful, and triumphant that you have made it so in our hearts. And we pray, God, that those spiritual realities, as we sing this song and as we worship you, would be an ever-present reality in our hearts and in our life. And God, for those of us who are wrestling with things that that threaten our joy, sickness and death in the family and uh, doctor's appointments, God, we pray that the joy of Jesus would be ever present, that you would remind us that even in the midst of the trials and sometimes the pain, God, 
that the waters will not wash us away, and that our true home, our final resting place, is already secure in you, that we are yours. We give you thanks, God, and we pray that your spirit would accomplish all this in your precious son's name. Amen. At this time, Julie, Laura, and Shane are going to come and light the Advent wreath.